and welcome to Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. Today, we're rounding out our discussion of the yamas, the moral, ethical, and societal guidelines for the practicing yogi with aparigraha, non-greed or non-attachment. We've talked a little bit about being attached to stuff. We did that in episode 31 about asteya, non-stealing, because non-stealing also refers to not coveting and not hoarding and all that. But being attached to ways of being, to ideas, that might be a little different, maybe. A lot of it is based very simply on expectation. We expect something and then deal with what life feels like if it does not meet our expectations. I just heard this on NPR this morning. They were talking about the president's visit to France for Bastille Day and Macron's approach to Trump. They said, you're not going to make a dent in the mind of Donald Trump which is a lovely quote. Um, You're not going to get there by getting in a shouting match or a handshake showdown or, and this is my commentary, an intellectual discussion. Instead, what Macron did was smile and show the man a parade with lots of pomp and circumstance. He changed his approach to deal with the reality of the situation instead of being attached to, I don't know, how you'd expect to deal with regular world leaders. And in some ways, I really appreciate that ability to pivot For a long time, a lot of us, and maybe some of us still are, I think we are, we're still attached to what normal is. So none of this administration makes sense. And in some ways, I think that's a good thing. I'm not suggesting we lose sight of what's normal. I'm just using this as a demonstration of what attachment can be when we're not talking about physical objects. I can be attached to a noun, a person or thing, but I can also be attached to an idea a concept, a feeling, an expectation, and that's really what I'm talking about here. Attachment is about being attached to the past, the way things have always been, or being attached to the future, our expectation of how things should be. Attachment, at its very simplest, is not living in the moment. I was reading up a little bit in preparation for this episode and looking at Eckhart Yoga, which is an online hub with articles and yoga videos. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes. And they brought up a salient point, which longtime listeners may recognize. And that is that Aparigraha is one of the central teachings in the Bhagavad Gita, that ancient yogic text. This is the one where Arjuna doesn't want to fight, but it's his dharma. Krishna is trying to convince him. It's a little bit more complicated than that. We talk about it in episode eight, Truth and Consequences, Krishna style. And here's a translated line from Krishna. Let your concern be with action alone and never with the fruits of action. Do not let the results of action be your motive and do not be attached to inaction. So do we remember that? What Krishna is essentially saying here is that we should not concern ourselves with the outcome of a situation. We should only concern ourselves with what we're actually doing right now as we work towards that outcome. The attachment comes when we're not fully immersed in the moment, but instead thinking about the outcome of the work. What if you're a potter? Just take a second to remember Ghost, that iconic scene in Ghost before Sam is a ghost and he and Demi Moore are at the pottery wheel, and it takes focus to make pottery. The minute you start canoodling around, the pot collapses. The same thing happens if you lose focus for any other reason, like thinking about how you're going to glaze, fire, promote, and sell that pot. You can't think about that while you're spinning the pot. You just have to spin the pot. You have to be in the moment. 
I mean, talk about attachment. The guy was a ghost. He was attached to life. He couldn't let Molly go. She couldn't let him go, which of course led to the strangest gender non-binary slow dance of its time between Whoopi Goldberg and Demi Moore. Think about it another way. Think about planning a party, dinner party for your friends, your kid's birthday party, whatever it is. There are a few stages. There's the planning of the party and the actual party itself. So have you ever been so worried people weren't going to have a good time that you didn't have a good time? Have you spent the whole time in the kitchen or did you go around and mingle and have some onion dip? Now, despite the fact that in most instances I hate planning, I actually kind of like hosting a party. Not like a party party, but just having people over. The planning is stressful, sure, but in some way I kind of enjoy it. For whatever reason, I tend not to worry about if people are having a good time or not. Somehow I feel like that's not a thing or it's not my problem. I have no idea why. I just trust that a few people that I love in a room with each other will be interesting or fun or something. Uh, And if they don't have a good time, I somehow don't really feel like that's my fault. Now that said, do I want them to have a good time? Of course. Do I prep and make sure there's enough food? Yes. Do I run around a bit like a crazy person beforehand buying too much cheese? Maybe. But in the end, it's fun. It might be like the one thing I'm not overly attached to. Of course, except as I say that, do I want to be seen as a good host? Yes. Yes, I do. So there is that attachment. And that's the attachment to the outcome. But honestly, even if the get-together is a flop... I may have still had a nice time getting everyone together. Maybe. I'm not sure if that's true. I'll have to really think about that. I'm planning a wedding right now, my wedding, and I'm grappling with attachment to the outcome of that party. I mean, the ultimate outcome is a marriage, and that part I'm not worried about at all. It's really just the party part. Uh, Maybe that's something to meditate on. Or maybe I just need more cheese and onion dip. Okay. So we can see how this might apply to our relationship with the current administration, right? It is, for me, extremely challenging to stay in the moment and not be attached to the outcome of my actions. I'm so attached to this stuff getting fixed, being straightened out. I'm really attached to the past, to the way things were when lying was frowned upon. Uh, And there was at least some humility or fear of retribution even. But now there's none of that. There are no consequences. Or there are, but none that the administration seems to care about. They don't feel shame. They don't fear not getting reelected somehow. They plan on taking away insurance for thousands and thousands of Americans and giving them nothing in return, and they don't care. And I am so attached to the idea of them caring. Regardless of how politics has always been run and yada yada, I'm attached to the past, which has informed my expectation of the future, a past and future in which our government cares about the people whom they are governing, cares about their constituents, and if not that, then at least cares about being reelected. But this attachment can lead to action paralysis, right? It's what happened with Arjuna and Krishna. And if you didn't listen to that episode or read the Bhagavad Gita, when you look at it, that's what happened with Hamlet. Hamlet convinced his uncle killed his father and married his mother in order to become king. He decides his uncle must suffer the consequences. But he is so attached to the past, he's mourning the loss of his father, and his reality or his perception of reality doesn't jibe with his expectation. He can't fathom his mother's action and disloyalty, and he's so caught in that loop that he spends the whole play talking to himself and lashing out at others. Frankly, he's a mess. 
and that's attachment. What was Hamlet's job? He was a prince, right? I'm sure he had princely duties. If he were focused on the present moment, not attached to a certain way of being, perhaps he could have mourned his father's death in a healthier way, killed fewer folks, and maybe even still gotten to the bottom of a crime, preferably without committing crimes himself. We can all learn from that. There's plenty to mourn. There's plenty to have hope for in the future. But can we stay in the present moment, do our duties, stay the course without making more of a mess of things? It's an interesting question. We'll do a brief practice here in a minute about holding on and letting go. And this practice will include a little breath work and a little guided meditation. Before we do that, I'm going to pause here to say thank you, as always, for listening to Yoga for the Revolution. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the other podcast places. You can also find all episodes on yogafortherevolution.org, where we also have show notes, where I'll link out to little things. In this episode, I'll probably link out to Ghost, because it's a really important movie. Wherever you do find the podcast, whether you're on iTunes, Google Play, etc., or on the site itself, I want to give you a quick rundown of all the episodes where we talk about all the other yamas, so that in case you haven't heard those, you can go back and check those out. Episode 14, it's where we talk about satya and ahimsa, that's truth and nonviolence. Episode 31 is about asteya, which is non-stealing, and episode 32 is about brahmacharya, which is continence or celibacy. This one, episode 33, anaparigraha, non-attachment. And one I'll say is also related here is episode 8. That one's called Truth and Consequences Krishna Style. And that's where we talk about non-attachment in context of the Bhagavad Gita. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yoga for the revolution or follow on Twitter at y underscore f underscore t underscore r or find us on instagram because we do that to tell a friend share the show one element of the breath practice i'm about to guide today is kumbhaka or breath retention and breath retention is not recommended if you're pregnant have eye or ear problems or uncontrolled high blood pressure and by eye or ear problems we're talking about problems with pressure mostly like glaucoma not you know, if you need reading glasses. Find a quiet, comfortable spot. Situate yourself with a tall spine, sitting or standing. And if you're comfortable too, close your eyes or look down at the floor or at your toes. Bring your awareness to your breath. Don't try to change it right away, just notice. Is it deep, shallow, short, or long, smooth, or rough. On your next comfortable inhale, inhale and hold your breath in. I'll count to five here. One, two, three, four, five. Exhale. Release control of the breath and return to your natural breathing. Now for some of you that hold will have felt like nothing. For others of you it will have felt really long. So let's use that as a guide. Moving forward, just know this is safe and this is an experiment, it's a practice. Your mind will want to inhale way before your body needs to inhale and your body will inhale when it needs to. 
So we'll take another breath in to hold in just a moment, but let's keep in mind, we want this hold to be gentle, but committed. Okay, so you can hold, but don't force. And on the other hand, don't give in immediately. This practice is stretching your boundaries, and we want to do that safely. Here's what we'll do next. Just listen for now and keep breathing normally. I'll guide you to inhale and then hold the breath in gently. And I'll ask you to notice when the mind wants to inhale and then pause and hold for just a moment longer and then allow the exhale to come. Allow it to come slowly as if you're cooling a bowl of soup. Okay. Take a breath in, gentle hold. Notice the mind. When you first want to exhale, pause, hold, and when you're ready, allow the exhale to be slow and controlled. Come back to your normal breath when you're ready. As your breathing comes back to its natural rhythm, notice what is different, if anything. And bring your focus to your exhale. Gently try to make each exhale a little bit longer than each inhale. Notice, if you can, how a complete exhale makes room for a natural inhale. Exhaling everything out And then the inhale is so much more natural, easy, and full. Notice how letting go makes room for exactly what you need in the moment. To continue, take a moment to think of something you're attached to. This can be a label you use for yourself. I am professional. I am responsive. I am accommodating. Or it can be another attachment you have. I am comfortable. I am in control. Take a moment here to think of something that rings true. If nothing's happening, coming to mind, just choose a label. It could be the first thing you think of. Maybe it's your name, your gender, your job. The next thing we'll do is attach this label to your breath. So on the inhale... You'll say, I am blank. And on the exhale, you would say, let blank go. So take a moment to construct what that would sound like in your head. Let's say you chose comfort as the attachment. If you're attached to being comfortable, that could be emotionally, financially, professionally, then you would do the exercise this way. Breathing in, I am comfortable. Breathing out, let comfort go. Okay, and we'll do this for three to five breaths, depending on your pace. Let's begin. Breathing in, I am. Breathing out, let go. Breathing in, I am. Breathing out, let go. Breathing in, breathing out. Breathing in, breathing out. Breathing in, 
Breathing out. Release this mantra. Come back to a natural breath. And then even out the inhale and exhale here if you can. And we'll replace this attachment with an inalienable truth. I am. In yoga, when we say I am or I am that I am, we're reaffirming our place in the universe as being one with everything. With each inhale, say to yourself, I am. With each exhale, repeat, I am. Breathing in, I am. Breathing out, I am. Breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. Release this mantra as well. Come back to your natural breath. Gradually, gently bring your awareness back to the room. Notice your breath. Are you warm or cool, light or heavy? Do you feel grounded? Do you feel free? And if you haven't already, when you're ready, open your eyes and just notice. Until next time, keep breathing and live to fight another day. Don't speak alone. Yeah.